Hello to readers of and listeners to In Vivo. Today, I'm in conversation with John Collings, who is the new chairman of the Asia Pacific Medical Technology Association, also known by the shorter name of APACMED. John is also president of Striker Asia. John, welcome and thank you for joining us to talk about the organisation and its work. Well, it's great to be here. So thank you very much for the invite. Thank you. Okay. First, I'd like to get a quick take from you on the Asia Pacific MedTech Forum 2022, the annual conference which was held last week. It was also your first as chairman. Can you give us a quick overview of the themes and the mood of participants for this once again in-person event and how you describe its value to MedTech companies globally? Well, firstly, this was the first get together since the pandemic. So it was absolutely thrilling to have lots of people in the room engaging on topics that are all relevant to to all of our members. So we had about 1,300 people, uh, including virtual. Uh, and they, the, the members range from industry leaders, public, private hospitals, regulatory, government bodies, trade associations, startups, and the investment community, along with uh, folks from the academic and research institutions and market suppliers. So uh, a huge ecosystem that supports MedTech. And therefore, this platform is more relevant than ever before. And it was actually our eighth uh, edition of the MedTech Forum. And the focus this year was on patient futures. And what we mean by that is um, how do we evolve patient centricity and patient activation in what we do within our medical device industry. Uh, That's ranging from uh, advocacy groups all the way through to digital technology and how do we manage and protect data and build trust with the solutions that we provide. So this was um, a two-day conference. Uh, Day one was focusing more on dialogue around the patient, including thought leaders from across the world surgeons from the metaverse and uh, and obviously our own APAP Med members sharing their insights. And then day two was really a focus on our major work streams of uh, market access, regulatory and, uh, and digital health, as well as uh, a focus on our startup community and, and really en- engaging our startups to, to showcase what they're, what they're doing at the moment, their innovation. And, and build connections with our investor community as well. So it was a t- great two days. I think we're still recovering and um, and fully engaged for the next few years as well. Mm. It sounds like a very, very valuable and in- interesting meeting and, and eight meetings in, so so going well. And of course, Asia is becoming a, a more important market for global medtechs year on year. Global companies can't be without a sizable presence in Asia. And yet Asia is not one single concept, of course. Can you give us a sense of the extent of APACMED's geographic spread and remit and where the main levels of industry activity and thus probably your lobbying um, needs are most intense? Well, firstly, I think you're totally right. Um, And what I'd like to do is explain what I think are some of the growth drivers of the market and then reflect upon APACMED's purpose. So as you mentioned, Asia is becoming more and more important for global medtech uh, companies. And already Asia is the second largest medtech market globally, and it's delivering 40% of global growth. And I really expect to see robust growth to come from for many years to come. So if you think about it, Asia is, it constitutes 48 countries, representing about 60% of the world's population. And as you say, it's not one size that fits all. 
healthcare systems are incredibly diverse across this region. And overall, there are disparities in care with about 1.6 billion individuals without healthcare access. Many people think that Asia is a young individuals region, but actually one in four of the population will be over 65 in the next decade. And at the same time, the region is a huge hotbed for innovation and talent within the industry. So it's a it's a market uh, of stark contrast. But growth in the region is really driven by a large underlying unmet need. I'd say in a rapidly aging population. And I'll give you a fun factoid here. China's age population, so those who are over 65, is the, the same size as Brazil's total population of about 200 million people. So that shows you some of the, the scale of, of Asia as well. But at the same time, these populations are now being supported by government efforts to broaden healthcare access and bring the best innovation and care to patients. Our environment is becoming increasingly positive. The regulatory environment is improving. Governments are prioritizing healthcare policy. They're also investing in manufacturing, R&D, and talent, all in the medtech space. And this will really drive, as I say, growth for the, for the years to come. So I think it's a very exciting time to be in medtech and to be in Asia as our healthcare systems continue to evolve at an incredible pace. And really, this is where APAP Med comes in. Our collective ambition is to ensure access to high quality and affordable healthcare, whilst at the same time leveraging the value of innovation and regulatory harmonization to advance standards of care and strengthen all the healthcare systems that we serve. So our approach at APAP Med is to create knowledge, share content, and then collaborate with our local trade association partners to help shape environments that favor better patient outcomes across the region. Sometimes this is more tailored to certain markets for certain things. So for example, in the Asian markets, we've been helping build more of a unified language for regulators to use, which is really driving harmonization of standards. Whereas in more developed markets like Australia and also Korea, we've been collaborating to add additional voices on policy, such as pricing and reimbursement. But as long as it fits into that broad remit of, of APAP Med, that's where we try and help. And it can be market specific. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Thank you, John. And I mean, you talked about leveraging innovation for unmet needs. Um, and traditionally, global innovation has been de- developed in, in Europe or the US, but Asia is becoming a global innovator too, as well as the market for medtech. Is that that's true, is it? So you're totally right. The center of innovation for medtech has been shifting from uh, the US and, and Europe towards Asia uh, with India, China and Singapore emerging as key hubs. Now, I would say as well, though, that innovation is across the region. If I think about Japan and Korea, they're leading the way in terms of digital technology. Uh, Equally, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, Vietnam are all making inroads into our growing medtech market. As As an example of representation of this, in APAC Med, about 50% of our members are now startups, and it's grown year on year. Now, the factors driving this, I think, obviously, the market dynamics that we just talked about, increasing healthcare access, personal wealth, aging population, for example. But at the same time, healthcare systems are demanding state-of-the-art solutions. Governments are also encouraging innovation and investment within medtech, not just to serve their own healthcare needs, but also to leverage medtech as a source of economic growth. And I would say that over the past few years, I've seen in Asia 
um, an increasing amount of favorable policies to support investment into this industry. And I'll, I'll give you an example. In Singapore, there are over 225 startups in medtech, 25 R&D centers, uh, all focused upon medtech. And that's just in Singapore. Now, if you consider China and India with their size and their innovation um, ecosystems, and also they have active policies to support localized innovation and manufacturing, you can really expect to see increasing amounts of innovation coming from Asia that's designed for Asian markets, as well as for entry into markets globally. So that's um, a lot of diversity and intensity all, all in one go. Um, and all of that activity means that uh, there's going to be more demand for your services at APAC Med. And I was wondering, John, um, it's probably impossible, and you've mentioned some of the key issues in the previous answer, but if you could um, crystallise, say, the top three issues that uh, companies are coming to you as an association for answers to right now, what, what would they be? Okay, well, I, I think we still face headwinds. Uh, generated from the pandemic. COVID is still ebbing and flowing throughout the region. Um, and along with the, the impacts of that on healthcare, uh, we also have associated headwinds of inflation and component supply at the moment. Um, however, despite these challenges, which I would say are, are relatively short term, the main areas where we aim to help shape the healthcare environment are within around improving access for our products and services, regulatory harmonization, and innovation. So it's it's those three core elements that I think members look to for both short-term and long-term uh, policy changes. So I'll give you a few examples to bring these things to life. So firstly, from an access perspective, uh, we've seen the expanding use of simple, secure, and connected digital technology, which is making healthcare more precise, efficient, and personalized. And these range from advanced devices and software that transform care settings to advanced surgical techniques or robotics that have insightful analytics, all with a focus on improving clinical and operational outcomes across the continuum of patient care. Now, each of these things brings us closer to the patients we serve Yet the path forward in this digital environment is, is not always clear. So implementing fit-for-purpose frameworks to support adoption of digital health is actually really important across the region. And recently, we've worked with Singapore's Health Sciences Authority, and they adopted our recommendations to ease registration for software as a medical device. So that's a great example of how we're supporting access for technology in one of our markets. Now, the second element that I mentioned was talking about uh, regulatory harmonization. And for me, this is really important because patients get the treatment they need when they need it, only when regulatory requirements are harmonized and framed around patient access. And we have a regulatory committee focused on this. And we have established or helped to establish Singapore as a reference country for pre-market regulations in Thailand. So this simplifies regulatory processes and accelerates the speed to market for certain products. And we're now looking at how do we cascade that across, uh, across the region. And then lastly, in addition to improving regulatory harmonization and access to medtech innovation, 
APAC Med also has a role to play to nurture emerging technologies and companies which are generating solutions to global needs. I, m- I mentioned over 50% of our members are startups, and we look to support our member network through creating connections with investors, supporting them with mentoring, and 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 I think that really helps support really the lifeblood of our of our industry overall, which is really about innovation. Now, as I look to the future. I think the core needs will remain the same and consistent with today. However, I do expect areas such as digital health, patient centricity, uh, along with ESG considerations and talent development to continue to be emerging opportunities where we can add value. You focused a lot there on digital health. How much of a trump card is digital health capabilities being developed and the market for digital uptake in Asia? Have these two things coming together? How do you see that as the future of healthcare in Asia? Well, as I mentioned before, I think uh, about a quarter of Asia's population have limited or, or, or low access to healthcare. But the vast majority of individuals in Asia have access to a mobile phone. So the big question that we should all be asking ourselves is, how do we leverage digital solutions to improve standards of care? And I think this is something that actually all of the medtech industry is asking right now. So in terms of the requirement for digital health, I think it's front of mind. It's something that we're all thinking about. It's just not that easy. As I I mentioned, regulatory changes are shifting the needle. Care models are changing. Data management and data privacy adds to complexity. But what I can say is that if we're now truly defining clinical success at a new level with digital technology, which I think that we are, patient activation and patient data is needed in a big way. So APAP Med's role, I think, is to share our knowledge in this space, work with our partner associations to help shape policies that allow the use of digital to really improve healthcare. And we, we just talked really earlier about Singapore adopting our guidance to ease the registration of software as a medical device. And we're also obviously talking to um, other regulatory bodies across the region. And I think this is just the start. There's a long way for us to go, but there's certainly an, um, a desire from the patient, the healthcare professional and the industry to connect our technologies to provide better healthcare solutions. Can you then give a give an indication of how investment flows into the sector, into digital and traditional medtech, are matching those ambitions? What's really exciting is that the deal flows in the medtech space um, over the past two years, ranging from, I'd say, large, mid-sized multinational acquisitions through to somewhat smaller venture capital investment through startup enterprises is actually really incredibly strong. And at the same time, there's still a lot of dry powder uh, or funds that have yet to be allocated within Asia's investment community. Just some fun facts for you. Deal volume and deal value both rose in 2021 uh, with steep increases versus the prior year, despite it being a year of the pandemic. So the number of transactions in 2021 across Asia-Pacific increased from 179 from 156 in 2020. And the value of these deals that were disclosed rose slightly to about 18 billion, up from 17 billion. So you can see that there's a sizable investment into healthcare across the region. I think what's driving this 
is that government regulations are helping build private equity markets, especially in India and China. And there's also favorable consumer behaviors around investment. But the focus has been on biopharma, um, life science tools and, and data management, as well as core medtech. And it's really medtech that posted the largest annual growth over that period. And I'd say that as I look to the future, I would anticipate that there's going to be more adoption of um, medtech investment across the region, just simply because governments are creating environments that support the medtech industry and accelerating rates. And here at APAC Med, we support the investments towards our startup communities through mentoring startups, providing them with tools that they need to better present to investors, along with creating opportunities for them to network within that community, just like the, uh, the APAC Med forum that we just had. You mentioned ESG earlier, and uh, these are these are newer themes, perhaps for for, med, for medtech. So, so, but whether manufacturer, distributor, or other economic actor, actions to promote the sustainability and counter climate change are now essential parts of the remit. Can you tell us what effects or changes you're seeing among medtech companies that supply the APAC Med region in terms of adopting and embracing these needs as we're seeing them evolve around the world? Well, you're right. The impact of climate change is certainly becoming an important consideration for our customers, our stakeholders and our employees. And I say it's now not a conversation, but certainly part of our commitment and an expectation. Now, we see this, as I say, from our employees uh, within member companies, but also stakeholders within the health um, ecosystems. Now, this can be in the form of government policy through to investors, but also hospitals and patients, they're actually demanding this now and setting themselves targets, which are really being enforced within the industry. So for our industry, becoming more environmentally responsible involves finding more sustainable approaches to product life cycles, reducing carbon footprints, and mitigating other negative social environmental impacts. And these range from using more um, environmentally friendly materials, or also looking at efficient ways of manufacturing. So as an example, if you are um, making a, a metallic product, like a, a hip or a nail that goes into your body, generally it was reductive manufacturing. So you would have a block of metal and reduce and reduce and reduce. There's now ways through additive manufacturing to build those devices from powder. So using a lot less uh, metal and actually a lot less energy uh, over time, which is, which is really quite exciting. So there's a lot of, of things that companies are doing at Stryker, a company that I work at, for example, we're targeting to achieve a 20% reduction in carbon emissions by 2024 and make all Stryker facilities carbon neutral by 2030. And I don't think we're alone in this. There's certainly more that can be done, but I'd say that the landscape is now making this a requirement for us to do business in the future. So you'll see much more activity from the medtech industry going forward. That's the E in ESG, and so also the S in ESG now, the DE and I, another one. Now, that's a global shift as well. So um, can you give us the flavour of how those themes are being adopted and embraced in the Asian region, as much as we see them in, in the Europe, uh, European and the US um, environments? Um, that's being reflected in Asia too, and perhaps being, being uh, taken forward. 100%. Like sustainability, DE and I is on the mindset of our members with APAC Med, and um, there was a recent Aon Global survey that stated that eight out of 10 organizations in Asia rate DE&I as extremely important, with 83% now establishing metrics and goals to drive this. And 
I think ultimately it's our responsibility to reflect our employees and customers that we serve. So we, we have to embrace the E&I. And it's also now known that um, with businesses that survey their employees on, on levels of engagement and perception of brand, they often score higher if the workforce views itself as fair, diverse and inclusive. So I believe that cultivating a team of unique backgrounds can elicit diversity throughout uh, its organization, impacting how we think. And this also has an, an indirect impact on culture, group dynamics, curiosity and new conversations, which when you think about medtech, innovation really is the lifeblood of what we do. And keeping organizations relevant, competitive require, requires diversity of thought rather than just thinking the same and uh, I say a machine mindset. And we're starting to see Asian countries really focus their efforts on this method. And, and I've really been impressed, actually, by the diversity across the region and, and how countries and organizations were embracing it. And actually, just recently in 2021, the Global Innovation Index found that Singapore, China, Hong Kong and India, which really are melting pots of cultures, backgrounds, ethnicities, have all accelerated their, uh, their innovation. Uh, and post-pandemic growth, showing that a focus on DE&I can really be beneficial to our industry. Last couple of questions now. In your role as APAC chairman, bearing in mind the um, the current post-COVID legacy that you referred to um, in terms of medtech supply and demand, what do you see as your key challenges as companies seek to ensure better patient access to high-quality medtech while also representing the medtech industry's interests? Well, I think this all goes back to ensuring that our customers, which are both the healthcare professionals, the governments and, and the patients we serve, have access to high quality, affordable healthcare innovation. And this ambition is really core to what APAC Med do. And it's what drives us as members, but also as a secretariat day in, day out. Now, to achieve this, however, I think the big focus really is around supporting regulatory harmonization. And I think that's critical. And it's obviously one of the main pillars of the work that we do within APAC Med. So I think that's our biggest opportunity to really facilitate access to med technology across the, the region. Finally, what would you want to achieve personally during your tenure um, as APAC Med chairman? Well, I'm incredibly humbled and proud to be working for an industry that makes healthcare better for the populations that we serve. And this was highlighted recently during the COVID pandemic, as many medtech companies rallied around to support healthcare needs. Now, that ranged from the creation of new products, such as pop-up emergency beds or COVID testing, and much, much more. And, and they came together uh, to help source and develop other products, such as ventilators that were in short need or or sourcing oxygen from other industries to support the, the healthcare environment. So as well as supporting a product perspective through the pandemic, our teams were often frontline workers, um, supporting healthcare professionals on the ground and really making an impact on patients' lives. So when I think about what we've achieved in the past few years, I'm incredibly really proud about the industry and what, what it's delivered. And I think my role as a chair is to work with our members to continue to make progress against our ambition and in doing so strengthen the healthcare systems across Asia Pacific. So if we continue along this course, I, I think we can make a greater difference to people's lives, which is what all this is about. Those are great ambitions. Thank you, John. Thank you, John Collings, um, Chairman of APAC Med, and best wishes in your role in these interesting times ahead. Thank you, Ashley.